We love saving you money and we love companies trying to save the world. We've got some new information about Ball and their manufacturing plant in Golden. Basically, they're looking for production technicians and you can read the full description and apply at jobs.ball.com by searching for Golden. Now, this is a position on the front line of the aluminum beverage can production process at Ball's plant in Golden. And right now they're offering a competitive $27 an hour with potential increases at 6, 12, and 18 months on the job. You get comprehensive insurance, active the day of hire, stock purchase ownership program, potential for an annual bonus, and of course, 401k for your retirement. Text Golden to 77222 and you'll get linked to all of their open positions. You can go directly to jobs.ball.com and search for Golden. That's your first pitch. Now let's play ball. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast brought to you by Strava Craft Coffee. Strava CBD coffee will improve the quality of your morning since it's rich in CBD and CBG and can be delivered to your doorstep every two, four, six, or eight weeks, whatever you need. Their CBD infused coffee has got me feeling fantastic since it can help with chronic headaches, joint pains, even IBS, other things than that as well. Plus, you're not going to get any coffee jitters when you have three or four cups a day, depending on your style. But right now, when you go to StravaCraftCoffee.com, you can get 25% off your first purchase with code DNVR25. I'm your host, Patrick Lyons, and joining me today, as he does every week, he's the voice of the Colorado Rockies for AT&T Sportsnet, as well as the host of the Drew Goodman Podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me, Drew Goodman. Patrick, how are you? Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's that most wonderful time of the year, as they say. Yeah, it's uh, it's a good time of year. I love this time of year. Yeah, well, I love the snow on the ground. And, oh, I'm sorry. That's right. There is no snow on the ground. No, we, we don't do that anymore in Colorado, apparently. It's ridiculous. It's like Scottsdale North. I played golf yesterday, Patrick. I should be skiing on a daily basis, not not going out and playing golf on December 20th or 21st. It feels good, right? It, it feels nice, to, especially to go outside. And it's it's not that cold in the morning, especially, you know, I know you and I like to go for, for some runs and, and get ahead of the day. And so that's been a lot easier with it not being as cold. But hey, come on, we, we're supposed to be getting snow now. It is officially winter after all. So we, we might as well bring some snowflakes. Yeah, hopefully it's coming. The mountains in particular. Mountains need it. Ski industry needs it big time. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. I believe that's the the verdict coming up for this weekend. So we we hope that's the case. And as I said, it's the most wonderful time of the year, which means we're talking about coaching and managerial changes in Major League Baseball. What could be more wonderful than that? Yeah, well, it, it, it took Oakland and the New York Metropolitans a while, but they finally have settled on respective managers. Yeah, Mark Kotze seemed to be the favorite going in there as one of their coaches in the last couple seasons. He's you know, a Bay Area guy through and through, a California guy. So I, I think that that fits really well. And I would go ahead and, and take the over on, on Kotze being there for, well, at least three years. And there's an option for a fourth year on his contract. I'm sure he could get five, six, seven years. That's usually the way it goes in Oakland. But that's Oakland. If uh, they move to Las Vegas, who knows what happens at that point? I was going to say that we don't know. He, he may be manager of the athletics, but we don't know if they'll be in Oakland two or three years from, from now. The Oakland athletics of Las Vegas. Yeah. That's a good one to it. <laughs> yeah. I like Marcotte. I don't know him real well. Talk to him during his career periodically when, uh, you know, with the Padres or whenever, 
you know, the Rockies would play a team that Katsu was on. It always, um, always was a very good hitter, g- good at bat, but had a reputation for being a good leader and, and having an edge to him. So uh, I, I think that should work well uh, for Oakland and, and having Katsu run the show there. And uh, obviously on the other coast, I, I like that the Mets went back. It's the, we've talked about this many times, the team of our childhood, and they have a lot of talent, right? And they have the, the wealthiest owner in baseball now. They went back and hired a, a proven commodity and kind of a no-nonsense guy. And, I, and I'm happy on a couple of fronts in that I like to see people who are deserving get an opportunity regardless of age. And not that right. he's ancient. We know, we know certainly 65 isn't what we thought 65 to be 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago, right? Uh, so, you know, Buck Walter's always taking care of himself. So that, to me, that's immaterial, but it's good to see. And, you know, the the other aspect of it is he has a proven track record. You know, he's going to be able to handle the New York media because he did so well with the Yankees. He's a guy that stayed in the game and, and has observed the game. Um, I think he's a really bright guy. So I think he'll be in, in this tenure, be able to, you know, wrap his arms around the information that now comes down from the front office, from the analytics department, and um, kind of have it coalesce with his, his own instincts and, and how to run you know, a major league franchise. So, you know, for, if you're a Met fan out there, you have to be, you know, have to applaud this hire. Especially given that the last two managers were first time skippers. Mm -hmm. And this is a team that has enough of the pieces there where if you push the right buttons, in fact, if you just don't push the wrong buttons, you got to think they're going to the postseason for the first time since 2016. So, Showalter again has the pedigree, as you you said. You know, was was in New York during the '90s, just before Joe Torre got there. In fact, was was let go the year before the Yankees won the World Series in '96 with the Diamondbacks. You know, again, he he takes a team that went from literally nothing to their first postseason in two years. You know, broke Don Baylor and the Rockies' record of of three seasons. So he has that. And then as soon as he lets gets let go, Bob Brenly comes in wins the world series in 2001 similar situation in texas where he's there i think for four years and then ron washington goes to to back-to-back world series a few years down the line baltimore he had some success going to the postseason you know they haven't made that jump they've kind of went backwards maybe doing the tanking thing but i mean the guy is, has have has as good of a pedigree as as anybody in baseball alive right now as far as managers go yeah and and we know especially in baseball you got to have the talent and you got to have you got to have the pitching, uh, but right now it looks like the Mets have a pretty talented roster, and we'll see you know how they stay healthy. But uh, he's going to he's going to make good decisions. Uh, they're going to be well prepared every night um, to play. He's going to have the respect instantaneously when the CBA gets done and they gather for spring training in Port St. Lucie. Nobody's going to be doing, all right, so what's this guy's background? Um, you know, and it's kind of a feeling out process. You're, you're, he's a guy that immediately commands respect. I'll make an analogy for you, Patrick. I, I think I've told this story before. I don't know if I've done it with you, but I I have 
you know, in other places. When I was doing the the Nuggets in the NBA for a decade, I remember when Pat Riley was had moved from the Knicks to Miami, and I asked some of the Miami players. I said, "What is it about Riley, you know, that makes him so special?" Right. Like most people, I don't want to just throw athletes under the bus. People have trouble articulating maybe a, a question like that. It was more or less, you know, he's done it, man. That was the answer you'd get. He, he's been there. So if he told you that in practice today, um, for an hour, we're going we're gonna to run up and down the floor trying to balance an orange on our head while we play basketball – you wouldn't even question it. You just go do it because, hey, he, this is the Showtime Lakers coach. This is the guy that took the Knicks to the NBA Finals and, and the cusp of winning a championship. It's Pat Dam Riley. You just do it. Now, if you or me were the coach of the Miami Heat and we said put an orange, everything we said, forget if it was that wacky, they'd be, you know, you're going to go, okay, I mean, let's see how this one works out. Go, guys, go to the water fountains, get a drink. Like, no, that we don't need to. We, we need to dehydrate ourselves more. Right. <laughs> right. There's going to be a but, fight on everything. Yeah, right. So, you know, with a Buck show, Walter, yeah, if Buck tells us to do this, we're going to do it because he's a proven commodity. Yeah, that winning background is, is almost an intangible, right? We don't exactly know what maybe can separate a, a winning ball player or winning manager. There are those things that are different from each person, but – Recently, I heard Brad Lidge talking about what it was like when he was with the Astros and how Roger Clemens and Andy Pettit, when they came in and how they did things as guys who've won multiple World Series and how they led. And it was just a much different thing, how to how to squeeze those wins out. And, you know, Buck right now, I think, of, of active managers has the fourth most amount of wins. Only La Russa, Dusty Baker, and Terry Francona has more than him. He's 24th all time with 81 wins this season, even a 500 season, he moves to 20th all time. So for anyone that thinks, oh, he was most recently with the Orioles, uh, I feel like he hasn't done anything in a while. No, he's he's on the ball. He he knows what's going on. Buck Showalter is a big story. It's the Mets manager. It's always going to be a big story and a lot coming out about Showalter when he was manager of the Yankees in the early nineties, asking for stat packs. Like he's an analytics guy. Like he wants to see the numbers. He wants to know all the different angles that could possibly go on. So yes, 65 years old, but he understands that, look, this is an important part of baseball in 2021 and 2022. So I think he's going to mesh really well with everything the Mets are, are trying to do analytically. As you said, it's just the way of the game right now. Yeah. I think his age is the most irrelevant part of, this higher um he's you know this is a cliche but he is a good baseball man he's he, and he's a bright guy and he's uh as you said he's he's always been open-minded about the innovations in the game um whether they be statistical or from a training standpoint so uh on paper uh good hire and it'll come down to how the players perform on the field as it as it generally does really in any sport Something I'm recalling about, you know, Showalter's sharpness, which there are a lot of managers in, in baseball that noticed it. But I do know that in Andy Martino's book about the Astros cheating scandal, it's called Cheated. He actually chronicled that, you know, Buck Showalter was one of the first people who noticed that, you know, something was a little bit off. That uh, the, the batters were too comfortable in the box. They're doing a couple of things. You know, talked with uh, then Orioles GM. 
Dan Duquette about it. So he, he's fantastic. He's actually now the fifth manager to ever be at the helm for both the Mets and the Yankees. And three of the previous four guys are Hall of Famers. Do you want to take a stab at, at how many you can think off the top of your head? Yeah, I mean, you, you immediately got my the gears going in that empty you know, <laughs> space in my head. Casey Stengel. Yep, number one. Joe Torre. Yes. Yogi. Did Yo- Yogi, right? Yeah. So those three, those three jump right out. And Torre is the only one of the five that actually managed the Mets first and then went to the Yankees. The last one, not a Hall of Famer. Okay, so so wait, so there's so there's one more. Don't hold on. I got to get this without dragging the show on. He also managed the Phillies. Oh man, I'm not sure if he was the manager in '93. He may have been in '93 when the Phillies went to the yeah it's, to uh, Toronto. What's that? He he may have been the manager of the Phillies yeah. when they went to the World Series. Go ahead. I, I the names on my uh, the proverbial. Yeah, you'll kick yourself. Dallas Green. Dallas Green. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so show all three. That's a great question, particularly, you know, particularly for New York metropolitan guys. You would have thought maybe there would have been a little bit more than that, but once you once you hear the list, you know, think about it though, Patrick. In in, the the Mets have been around since '62, so which isn't that long, really. So so sixty years, right? Yeah, I mean that's five different guys managed both the Mets and the Yankees. That to me, that's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. Yeah, I think when we, we think about players, you know, they change teams all the time. I remember how great of a trivia question it was when Strawberry, I think I think the Giants were his last team. I think Daryl was the first guy to play with all four of the original, original. New York teams, right? The Brooklyn Dodgers, later LA, New York slash San Francisco Giants, Yankees and Mets. Patrick, you know, I didn't remember that. I did not recall. I knew he was a Dodger, and originally from Crenshaw High School in in Los Angeles. Daryl Strawberry. I knew he played for the Mets and the Yankees. Like it, the the list is like a hundred and some odd <laughs> players that have played for both franchises. Um, but I didn't realize I had forgotten that he played for the Giants. How many guys did you say played for all four? I I don't know actually. I would guess maybe two or three others. And, and it might not be anybody, you know, terribly great. I mean, Alex Cora, I know, was with the Dodgers. Uh, I think he had a stint with the Mets, maybe the Giants. Yeah, that's well. We'll have to, well, we'll, we'll look that one look up. That one out. But I didn't remember that Strawberry that played for the Giants also. Yeah, cer- certainly more common for players than than for managers. So yeah, now Book Showalter is is number five, and the DNVR Edwin, bar. Edwin Jackson didn't he play for every, he, he played for every team twice, right? At least, yeah. I don't think he played yeah, with the, he the Yankees. The the right, the I know, Yankees. I know. Edwin didn't play with the Yankees, or maybe Octavio Octavio Dotel. Yeah, he's another one that's it's frequented a, a couple teams. Oliver Drake is a guy that a couple years ago, I think he played for seven or eight different teams over the course, or at least was signed. Ashton Godot, we we saw what happened to him last year, where he bounced around on hey, waivers. Let me tell you something. I, this is so random. Ashton Godot, late in the year, I thought threw the ball really well. He did. Good curveball, some tough situations. Eventually he was put in, handled himself well. And he, you know, he he was the proverbial nomadic ball player really throughout his, his career. And, and I don't know if it was, you know, really just a good two-week stretch, but he can spin it. And um, I thought he did some nice things late. 
I'm not suggesting he becomes, you know, the Rockies' fourth starter or something like that, but you know, it's a it's a it's a name that did had a nice finish to the season. Anyhow, carry on, Patrick. Well, I, partners, I I'm no, I'm glad you brought that up because I've made a mental note and I've probably made literal figurative notes to to mention and and give him that shout out or give them that his just due of like you know what he could be one of those guys battling for the fifth starter spot. You know, for next year, we know about, you know, all the young guys with Feltner and Rollison. Of course, they signed Ty Block, Peter Lambert. And really, you know, if, if you need more of a veteran guy in the early parts of the season, right, with you know, Block and Lambert both returning from Tommy John surgery. So, you know, do you want to push them that early in the year? Again, Feltner and Rollison pushing them early in the year. You say, hey, you know what, Godot? depending on how well he pitches in spring training, maybe he does take that role over for a period of time. And then, you know what, one of the younger guys pushes in and say, hey, no, now I'm ready in May or June, whatever it is. And so I, there is that chance that Goudeau throws his name in the hat. His name should be in the hat. I'll say that. You need 10, man. You need at least 10. And then beyond that, you know, some of the some young guys. But you don't go into a season going, here's our five and, and let's keep our fingers crossed and nobody misses a start. It doesn't work that way. It does not work that way. We all know that. So you're going to need six, seven, eight, nine, ten. 10 also um, that you hope can, you know, be solid when called upon. It's not if they're called upon, it's when they're called upon. We've got plenty of depth at the DNVR bar on the corner of Colfax in York, at least until we fill up during one of our many watch parties for the Nuggets, Avalanche, Broncos, of course. We've got three more weeks left. We've got a fantastic tailgate coming up on January 9th against the Chiefs, week 18. Yeah, there's 18 weeks now, 17 games in the season. We're going to have all-you-can-eat sexy pizza, all-you-can-drink Breckenridge Brewery. Make sure you get your tickets for that for the official Broncos tailgate at dnvrlocker.com. That's where you can get all your gear. That's where you can even purchase tickets for the shuttle. That'll take you from the bar over to the stadium so you don't have to worry about parking, surge pricing on Uber. It's really fun. If you want to check out all of our written content or podcasts, go to thednvr.com. You can sign up for only 50 cents for your first month. It's a great holiday gift to give to just about anyone. And if you already know what we're doing, you can get your annual membership that comes with a free shirt from dnvrlocker.com. we got a members-only Discord that allows you to ask your questions to host and our personalities. You don't have to worry about politics or a-holes. Trying to give you the best bang for your buck here over at dnvr.com, and we're bringing even more great stuff to you. We're giving you discounts, too, on your mattresses, like Snooze Mattress and SnoozeSleep.com. It's the world's first four-in-one mattress, a universal, universal mattress for the planet. It's designed to fit every body. Cool, cozy, soft, firm, whatever you need, you can flip it to regulate your body temperature with their reversible and washable temperature-regulated cover. Your body, what it needs today, is not exactly going to be what you need tomorrow. You might get fitter, but you know you're going to get older. Use code DNVR now when you visit snoozesleep.com to receive $250 off a mattress and $250 off an adjustable base when using code DNVR at snoozesleep.com. Christmas week and DraftKings Sportsbook, they're cooking up something great. DraftKings Sportsbook is an official sports betting partner of the NBA. They've got a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA game and you win 150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket. All DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with 
the holiday free bet surprise. Check this out. Everyone gets a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in prizes. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code DNVR. Bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. That's promo code DNVR this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. I did a little research while, while you were um, making money for the uh, station. And there are three players of which you know one of them, and the, and the biggest name, Daryl Strawberry, who have played for the four original New York teams, the Yankees, the Mets, the Dodgers, the Giants. There is no way you will get the other two without like major hints, and I don't even know how to get – I'm just going to give it to you because it's – Are they relievers? Uh, no, both are position players. Okay. you Infielders? Or, uh, yeah, one was an infielder. He played for 10 different teams, and he's currently, though I didn't realize this, in the front office in some capacity of the Los Angeles Dodgers. He has a somewhat familiar name. He hails from the Dominican Republic originally. His son played college baseball at Santa Clara and was a seventh round pick of the Giants in 2015. I don't know if he's still in pro ball or not. By the same name, he goes by junior. He won a World Series with the Yankees. Whoa. That should be the giveaway. And not, he not came Luis against Soho. the Mets. All right, so it's 2000. Luis Soho comes to mind. Uh, yeah, that's not a bad guess. Jose Vizcaino. Ooh, okay. He was and good. Then- yeah, and he played for 10 teams, had a nice career, hit 270 in his big league career. And the other player was Ricky Leday. Yeah. I, I, Patrick, you and I could be here for 147 years and we wouldn't have come up with those two other guys. I think I could have gotten Vizcaino, but not Vizcaino, Lede. maybe. Leday, I do not Lede. remember as a Met. He was a big prospect in the late 90s for the Yankees, mid, mid to late 90s. He was a pretty big prospect. Didn't really pan out, and they, they offloaded him. But I did not – I couldn't have told you any other teams that Ricky Lede had played for. Right. He played for – obviously played for the he Yankees. Good. Played for the Indians. The, excuse me, the – well, then the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians, uh, the Texas Rangers, the Phillies, the Giants, of course, the Dodgers, and the Mets. He won two World Series with the Yankees in 98 and 99 – and then the next year, when they were three in a row, he was gone, but Vizcaino was there. Isn't that something? He hit 243 with 63 homers, drove in 318, a career that spanned a decade from 98 uh, through 07. He finished, he finished with, the, uh, with the Mets. Yeah, he was a part of a deal with uh, Zach Day, good minor league pitcher. Jake Westbrook, former Rockies draft pick. Traded to Cleveland for David right. Justice. Yeah, yeah, that was, was that was the big a, trade. They said, yeah. "Ah, this young guy, he's not getting it done. We we need to bring in a, a proven superstar and Justice, and yeah. worked out okay for the Yankees." How about that, Ricky Lede? 
Yeah, I definitely wouldn't have gotten that one. This guy, you know, I'm going to mildly kick myself for that one because I can like literally see him in all four different uniforms. I feel like he had at least two years with each of those teams, at least. Well, Lede, interestingly, started his career with the Yankees three years and he, he picked, I guess he was on that 2000 team, but must have got, he got traded in the middle of the year. So he may have gotten three rings because, you, you know, if you're on the team. That's true. He probably got three rings, man. And then he finished with the Mets, two years with the Mets. Yeah, he probably is atop the list of players with three World Series rings that you would never guess. Right. But the Yankees have a, a slew of those guys on their, their roster going back to the, to the 50s and 60s. And, and I'm sorry I had to do this. Forgive me. I, I mean, I'm... If you've got more trivia questions, throw them at me. I, I love this. No, I don't, I don't I mind. Forgot, so, so Strawberry, obviously, a Met for most of his career, 83 through 90. Then he went to the Dodgers. Remember that back home, 91 to 93. The Giants in 94, that one year. And then 95 to 99, he was with the Yankees. Eight-time All-Star. That was He had a really good resurgence there because his career had really fallen off after that yeah. first season with the Dodgers. Do you and know? The yeah. Kept him in line. And they, they used him, you know, sparingly, you know, where, where they needed to. He was kind of a... You know, a crafty veteran at that point, as crazy as it seems, you know, didn't contribute uh, a ton to the Yankees. Only hit 41 home runs in the five seasons he was with them, but was just a feared bat on the bench. You know, for me, again, being a huge Mets fan growing up, Daryl Strawberry was such a captivating player, as was Doc Gooden. And both of those guys had Hall of Fame talent. And like many people, for various reasons, you know, don't get to that level, though both had, you know, remarkable careers. We know that, um, you know, some off-field issues, you know, probably hurt both of those guys um, in the case of Gooden, I think considerably. But Daryl Strawberry ended up hitting well over 300 home runs and he drove in exactly 1,000 runs uh, in his career. Pretty good stuff. And always, I was just starting to, you know, get involved in media back then. And I got to, I didn't know Daryl Strawberry, but I, I chatted with him a couple of times. And for a guy who was a big star, he was a really nice guy, really, really good guy. I had played his AAA roommate, a guy by the name of, uh, I'm trying to remember, it was, uh, Alfie, uh, oh, I'll think of it. Anyhow, his AAA roommate was a pitcher. And he had gotten released and he was, and he was now playing for a team I was on, um, in, in New York, uh, whatever, semi pro team. And, uh, and he was, he was a good guy. And so I remember going up to strawberry and saying, Hey, you know, I'm playing on this team with Alfie. And, uh, and he said, uh, he, cause he could have been nicer. He really was a, was a good guy, but, um, Daryl strawberry, man, that was, that was a career that, um, Man, when he when he when he connected with those long levers, ball went really far. Yeah, Darrow. Darrow. That was it. Man. Now, so he was on the 2005 Hall of Fame ballot. What percentage of the votes do you think he would have gotten? Because again, he's he's in the Hall of. I don't even know if he's in the Hall of Very Good, just because it was just very compacted when he was in his prime. If we're if you're just looking at like the prime seven years. You were, you were talking about you have to have Daryl Strawberry in the conversation. But for a, a longer career, 
you know, might even be on the outside of the Hall of Very Good. I would put him in the Hall of Very Good because okay. uh, he was an eight-time All-Star. There's guys in the Hall of Fame that didn't that go to All-Star games. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. And so he, he definitely, for me, was in the Hall of Very Good. He's not in the Hall of Fame. And in that time frame, you said 05, Patrick, was his first year. Tough scrutiny on guys. I would say he got, man, that's a great question. I'll say he got, you know, heavy New York, 8%. That's a, that's a pretty good guess. I, I probably would have, I would have gone probably right around there. Uh, 1.2%. That's it, huh? One that was it. Yeah. Wow. Got, got six votes, but you know, that was something that I, I wanted to touch on last week when we were talking about Todd Helton was this idea that when you go back and you look at the previous Hall of Fame ballots, the the list is loaded up with Hall of Fame guys that not all of them got in on their first ballot, but they eventually got in with veteran committees. Like if you go back and look 25 years ago to 1987, there were 28 names on the ballot. There were eight Hall of Famers. Catfish Hunter got in on his third ballot. Tony Oliva got 39%, which was the sixth most. Roger Maris, still waiting for the call. He had 43%. And, you know, there there was even a veteran committee that year with with a lot of notable names, Maris, uh, Wills, Boyer, Allen. Let me go back to 75 years ago in 1947. There were 29 Hall of Famers on the 1947 ballot that didn't all get in through the Baseball Writers Association of America. They, they eventually got in. When you, when you think of the all-time great sluggers, you probably think of Jimmy Fox, right? He got 6% of the votes back then. Obviously a different era, but it gives you an idea of, you know, again, how much talent is on a ballot. One of your favorite players, or at least the AT&T Sportsnet favorite players, High Pockets Kelly, got one vote that year in 1947. That's it. He's I, in the Hall of Fame. And yeah, so... He got, he got robbed. He got robbed. And so, you know, I, I don't... That's not to say Daryl Strawberry will get in, but it gives you this idea that when you look up and down the, the ballot this year for 2022, there are going to be guys that don't get in in 10 years, but will eventually get in at some point. Like we, I think we know that Bonds and Clemens, they'll get into the Hall of Fame. It might not be now. It might not be when they're alive, but eventually there will be. Those very good guys that the writers don't think are in, their teammates absolutely think they should be in. Yeah, and I think as time as as time continues to go by, you're going to see the I don't know, I think the the anger or the fake outrage. The, right, the the exactly, the feigned outrage for what transpired in the late 90s dissipate enough that that guys who were who were great. And there's no denying that the Clemens and the Bonds were great that they will get in. And so, yeah, anyhow, we'll see. Well, last week I asked you if you had heard of Saturday Neon. I imagine Goody being around, you know, CSU going up there. You've probably seen a lot of those LED neon lights by now. But Saturday Neon, they design and manufacture officially licensed collegiate logos. Like we've seen on the DNVR bar set for, for many of the different shows that we have down there on the corner of Colfax, New York. There's nothing else like this on the market made by Saturday Neon. It uses LED neon and not glass neon. So the designs are a lot more intricate and they look 
exactly like the logos in the university's actual design. It comes with a dimmer remote to control brightness and various flashing modes. It's really perfect for illuminating your game day experience. And one of the coolest parts is that this is a Denver-based company. It was actually started by two CU Buff alums who were college roommates. An LED sign from Saturday Neon is the ultimate gift this holiday season, even if you order it and it comes after the holidays. Now you can use code DNVR for 10% off your purchase at SaturdayNeon.com. We also have to tell you about the relief and recovery creams from Escape Artists. It's the highest awarded topical brand in Colorado that prioritizes quality and consistency. Escape Artists produces these creams that help penetrate for deep muscle tissue discomfort. That's fast absorbing. Plus, they aren't greasy and they aren't going to stain your clothes or your sheets. The best part is you can find them at your local Lightshade dispensary. There's 10 in the Denver metro area, soon to be 11. And Lightshade has a premium selection of everything you're looking for. Cannabis concentrates, top shelf flour, edibles, tinctures, accessories, so much more. And now podcast listeners can get 25% off non-sale items with code DNVR when you shop online at lightshade.com for pickup or when you visit a light shade location near you. Fellas, you know that DNVR Rockies is brought to you by our favorite producer of Beard Groomers. We'll put quotes around the word beard. It's Manscaped and Manscaped.com. The global leaders in below-the-waist grooming are leaving 2021 with a new product. Get clean and refreshed for the new year with their ultra-premium body wash. Also, special offer alert. Use code DNVR for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. Four million men already trust Manscaped. It's time you join them. Goody, we teased it a little bit last week as we ended the show. This idea that we would look at the schedule for 2022 for the Colorado Rockies, more from the perspective of those that travel with the team. And again, we we hope that's the case for you and Huey and Spilly and, and, and everybody else, especially because you get to put Spilly in all kinds of weird situations and make him jump in the Allegheny River when he's in Pittsburgh and see if he could swim to the other side of the Golden Triangle, whatever it is. Uh, you're smiling now in a, in a way that, that that's making me think that that could actually be a, a fun idea. I, I like that. <laughs> I really like that. Did you just come up with that? Yeah. My brain can work in. in, in I like that. I, I, you have a twisted mind like I do. Thank I you. think we, we should make that happen. And, and Spilly's twisted enough that he'll go for it. So you yeah. can give him an option. It can be almost like double dare. If you remember that show on, on Nickelodeon in the eighties, where you ask him a trivia question and say, all right, well, Pittsburgh is known for their three rivers. Of course, they previously played in Three River Stadium. Can you name all three? And if if he, you know, of course he's going to remember the Ohio and, and the Allegheny, but the Monongahela is the one that trips up so many people. If well, he can't remember Monongahela, get in the drink and swim across to the other side. Well, what happened, the confluence of the Allegheny and the Ohio form the Monongahela. So... And it's an easy name to butcher, as I've done many times. So, yeah, that would be great. Have him, have him swim across the Allegheny right under the Roberto Clemente Bridge. There you go. Mm. That's He would want to do that just for the bragging rights. Like, of course, he's like, all right, fine, guys. Right, right. It's he like, that. Yeah. yeah, it's like that and uh, taking a horse-drawn carriage with you know Mrs. Met. You're like, yeah, he's going to sign up for that. He loves the mascots. 
that's again perfect content. So we hope you guys can go back out on the road and he's got a might... thing. He's got a thing for what is it, Ruby the Oh, that's right. The Ruby Reds. The Red. Yeah, exactly. So that's it. Maybe one for him, one for you. He can he can go hang out with with Ruby and then also swim across that river. Is that the Ohio? That's uh that's at that point is right the Allegheny. No, in, in Cincinnati. Oh, in the Cincinnati. I'm sorry. The Great American Ballpark. Ohio. That's the Ohio River. We could just have them do rivers. I mean, get, have them swim across. You know, it's not right by Shea Stadium by any stretch. We could have them swim across the, you know what? Maybe, uh, we don't play the Yankees this year, but we'll have them swim across the uh, the Harlem River. Why not? Let's go. When you're in New York, you got to do all things Seinfeld. Just mm-hmm. have them kind of try the to Hudson's move them as too many far. I wouldn't make them go. I don't think he could make that. I don't want to yeah, lose. Difficult. You know, I don't want to do the game by myself that night. No, no, no. And so for anyone out there that is looking to maybe, you know, go on the road, we know people will travel for bands, right? They've got their hardcores that, oh, yeah, I went to five different cities. You know, there are some Rockies fans that want to do that, too. They might just go for a a weekend series, whatever it is. But we're going to look at the entire week. Some road trips are shorter than others. Some are better than others. Some are a little all over the place where you're going from one coast to the other. So we'll have a little mini draft here. When you look at the schedule, which by the way, do have to give you a tip of the cap and apologize because I, I got you to commit to paying for some barbecue in Kansas City this year. And you had that look on your face like, I don't remember Kansas City being on the schedule. Well, they are, but in Colorado, not in Kansas City. So I, I think now I owe you some KC barbecue in what, 2025, maybe when the next time the Royals pop up on the schedule. Yeah, it would be three years, right? So, yeah, there, it's funny how those those schedules work because sometimes you end up going to um, some cities, it seems like, quite a bit. And, and in the case, I've said this before to you, in the case of Tampa, we hadn't, we hadn't been there since 2004 when uh, the Rockies played there in 2019. That had been 15 years and been to, you know, Boston several times, been to, you know, the Bronx several times. Anyhow... So I like this. So, so we're we're look we're kind of ranking the road trips. What's the criteria? So basically, from you know the last game that the Rockies play at at Coors Field until they get back, which means you can be creative and you may have yourself an off day. In fact, if if you start with opening day, you could take the day before that as uh, as an off day to say, hey, I'm going to be a but, man about town and, and do some sightseeing. And that could also factor into how enjoyable a road trip can be is, is those off days. Yeah. Now for me, I, I mean, I look at it a lot of different ways. I look at it by city and um, you'll appreciate this places. I like to run in given city. I look at it from, you know, weather standpoint. I look at it from ballpark broadcasting position uh, standpoint, um, you know, just overall vibe of the city. So for me, and I'm looking at April, I got to, we're going to go through this. Yeah. Do you have, I mean, I'm going to give you the first pick here overall. Oh, I I got it on the season. What's number one. Oh man, that's tough, dude. That is tough, 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 tough. You can, I'll, how about this? You can trade me your first pick and I'll give you the next two. if, If you need to take a second. All right, yeah, I, you know, I'll trade, I'll trade you, I'll do that. You go first. All right, I am going to take the opening week 
LA and San Diego. Again, I'm going to take an off day on, on March 31st. I think the Rockies may even have practice at Dodger stadium, whatever it may be. But at that point in the year, as you said, the weather is a major factor. So late March, early April, you know, again, the weather's beautiful here in Colorado. I am not complaining by any means, but if I can be in Southern California at that point for opening day, which is obviously, obviously, you know, a big deal four games against the Dodgers. Then you got an off day on Monday on April 4th, drive down the PCH a little bit, right? Go from LA to San Diego. It's only like a two hour drive. It's scenic. Take, take more of a, of a coastal route two days in San Diego, and then you even have an off day on April 7th, Thursday, before coming back to Denver for the home opener against the Dodgers. So you're going to get two, maybe three off days in Southern California. You can drive. You don't even have to jump on a a plane. You can drive from LA to San Diego. And so for me, if I was picking any trip to go on, that's got to be my number one. That's not a bad one, but I would never pick that number one. Being and here's why we are fortunate as people who cover the Rockies that the Rockies play in the National League West and there's and so three times they go to L.A., San Diego, San Francisco, Arizona, Fair all point. big cities, all great weather typically. San Francisco we know is cold at night in the winter, um, but or excuse me in the summer, uh, but. They're all great cities. So I can do that. I can more or less do that one again. Now it's great. Opening, opening week, uh, opening day, good weather, Southern California, not a bad pick, not a bad pick, but I wouldn't have picked the number one because I know I get opportunities um, to go back there. I was a rookie mistake. I think that might've been a rookie mistake. I don't want to put it in that category. Well, I'll say this, that is the only LA and San Diego combo for this year. And you know, that's okay. Like later good. on, there's San Francisco, San Diego, which are you looking yeah. at my draft board here? Are you? Can you see my screen? Well, you, you, I'm gonna give you the next two picks. This this could hurt. You're definitely gonna probably take my next two picks on on the depth chart. Well, you teased last week that well, you, you think you forgot what your favorite one was in middle I'll of think, September. You, you're you're you. gonna buy a place. You're buying a condo in a certain Midwest U.S. city for an entire week during the Rocky season. Yeah, that that's going to be one of them. We're in Chicago, and it, I wish it was in the summer, but it's you know it's early fall in September. Back to back Cubs White Sox with what did you say? There were two days off in there. Patrick? There is the Monday, and and hey, I mean if you fly right out after the D back series on Sunday, you got Sunday night in Chicago all day Monday before likely a night game on Tuesday against the White Sox. I'm gonna I'm gonna run a lot of miles on Lake Michigan. Ooh. I'm going to eat really well in and around <laughs> Rush Street, right? I Because of the day off, I may even catch a show. I probably will rent a bicycle at the same uh, during the week a couple of times. Um, so I'm really looking forward to that one. There's several others that are really good. Can I tell you a sneaky good one? Ooh, okay. Four nights in New York in late August, we play the the Mets four times, and then a day off in Atlanta on Monday the 29th. There may be golf involved there, and then <laughs> and then the Braves for for three, the World Champion Braves, right? Very true. So that's not bad. It, it continues. That's like it goes for a while though, because then you have to go on to Cincinnati. 
um, and finish up in in Cincinnati. So that's a long one. And see, that's that did not factor into my top five only because of that length, right? Mm-hmm. And jumping on different flights. Atlanta to Cincinnati could be drivable. I, I don't think you'd want to do that because there's no off day in between. But and you know, what are you just driving through the the Blue Mountains of of Appalachia? Yeah, yeah, not bad. Uh, I'm going back now because I've gone I've gone month by month and. I've told you many times, I'm a big Washington, I love Washington, D.C., um, so whenever we're in the nation's capital, it's it's a good deal. Can I tell you a sneaky good one also? Is June 21st, three days in Miami, people say it's hot and sticky. I'm okay because I'm by the water, I like Miami, I like visiting Miami, and then it's up to Minnesota. And Minnesota in the summer months, Minneapolis is a wonderful city. Really like Minneapolis. Can run out there on the river as well in the Mississippi. So that's not a bad one. That's not a bad trip. Target Field's fun to visit. I was was worried about that that heat in Miami. You don't get an off day. I mean, you'll have an off day first day you're in Miami. So that's good. Longer flight going from Miami to Minnesota. But I haven't been to... Either of those stadiums. I've been to the Metrodome, the beautiful scenic Metrodome. Uh, so I, I should have had that higher on my list. I, I did not. My my second, well, you had my Chicago one. I also like, and again, I'm going back to the NL West, and that's because I haven't done as much traveling in season. But June 7th through 12th, San Francisco, San Diego. Again, another really nice drive going from San Fran to San Diego. You're going to have uh, a day there at the beginning of the trip, which is nice and relaxing. And yeah, I did have fourth on my depth chart, Pittsburgh and Washington in about the, the third, fourth week of May, partially because, all right, so Pittsburgh's got the stadium. We know beautiful, scenic nationals ballpark is okay. That press box, you will get a nosebleed from, but it's the nation's capital. You're going to, you're going to have a nice time there seeing uh, some of the scenes it's four days there so that is a little bit longer that's that's an okay one yeah that's not bad i always i always like that pittsburgh it, the joy of being in pittsburgh will be heightened by spilly trying to do the um breaststroke across or, or the side stroke across the allegheny um, but then for, we always seem to get four days which i love in washington that's true and and this year the highlights for me is four in new york and four in Washington, and seven in Chicago. Those are great, great wow. cities. You know, they're world-class cities. And uh, so I, I have to, one of, one of the things that is a tradition that I've hooked everybody on our crew in on is Old Ebbett Grill, which is basically across from the White House. And it stays open late. It has great food. And I mean, it... it it's probably a who's who over the years of, of, you know, senators and Congress people, you know, matriculating and doing business and power, power lunches and everything. But there's, there's like several bars, it's big and there's a back bar area and there's a thing called the Orca, which, which is like really expensive, but after 11 on, I forget a couple few nights a week, it's half price and we would go in there and it's oh, got there you go. crab legs and stone crab and jumbo <laughs> shrimp and oysters and, and every kind of, you know, clams you can imagine that sort of thing. So 
um, we would go, we'd go in there and order a couple of orcas like at, at 1130 after the game and, and, you know, have a couple of libations and, you know, go home around one in the morning. It's not right near our hotel. So we just walk there. Um, but, um, that's one of the, the really, again, sneaky, cool things about being in DC that I look forward to every year. And I love that you're getting discount seafood, Drew. You know, it, it shows you are an everyman, right? At oh, the end of the day. Well, <laughs> the orca, this is how long I've been going there. The orca used to be, and I'm, I'm telling you, this thing's like three stories high This when they bring it over wow. and it hooks up like the bar. And it used to be $100 and it, for half price, it was 50 And I'm telling you, for 50 that's bucks, cheap. that's like, it was a steal. I mean, I felt bad, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Not quite. And now it's gone up. I think it's 150. So that's how long we've been going there um, to Old Ebbett Grill. And I, the bartender, I'm doing a blank on his name now, but he had been there forever, and he finally. Uh, Toots Shore is his name. Toots Shore, Shore by Shore. chance? Yeah, that's the that's the wrong city. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, you know what? You know what's crazy about? Uh, I'm I'm really getting off on a tangent about. You know, I I say this, and I and I don't say this in jest, but really privileged and fortunate to do what I do. And and I think we all feel that way in, in this business. And I really feel fortunate to have done it for, you know, a number of years now. And, um, but it's crazy because you do spend so much time on the road and at certain hotels, like in, in Phoenix at our hotel, when you, when you pull up and the same, you know, folks who take your car, uh, you know, valet your car there and they know you by name. Um, that means you've been probably on the road quite a bit, you know, yeah. and year after year, because they see you. And in the case of Phoenix, they see you several times in the, you know, in the summer. Um, but yeah, when you know, when you know bartenders in other cities by name, that's, um, I don't know, that's a lot of time, a lot of time. On I, think the road. People, I think people are surprised how much athletes and, and people in, in sports media, you know, they go to the same cities, right? You have, you know, your, your home ballpark and then, all right, well, this week I'm, I'm working at a, a different office elsewhere. And like you said, you see the same people. One of the guys, Bob, who he sits out in front of the visitors clubhouse. And, you know, I always go by there and, and say, say hi to him, talk with him for a little bit. And the same thing is true of all the players, you know, whether it's Astros players or, Dodgers, whoever it is, you know, if they get traded from different teams, they come over and say, Bob, they remember him, they say hi, and they catch up. And it's, it, it's really neat to think that no matter who you are, if you're there and you, you see the same people, you know, you're going to have somewhat of a relationship with them. Bob is the stepfather of one of my closest friends. And, get out. Um, and Bob is, is a really good guy. Yeah. Uh, he has the gift of gab. He does. So, He's great. So you know, Bob is going to engage you in, in conversation. And I kid Bob every once in a while when he was on the, on my way down the hall out of the ballpark, when, you know, Bob, Bob may ask three or four or eight questions about the game. And I'll kid him and you say, Bob, I can't do the game again. You know, I just did the game, but uh, Bob's a good man. And, um, and, and you're right. I mean, that's, that's kind of for, for visiting players. They get to know not only the visiting clubhouse guys, but you know, some of the security folks around and, you know, we stay every once in a while, a hotel will change on the road, but more or less, you know, Paul Egan's who, who's the traveling secretary and has been for so long for the Rockies and really does an incredible job. I mean, you talk about wearing a multitude of hats. 
Paul, you know, has longstanding relationships with a lot of hotels. And so you do see a lot of the same, you know, folks over, over the years. And it, it's kind of like home away from home type of thing. I mean, he, Paul Egan's is employee number one. Paul, Paul Egan's is signed away from Atlanta. Rocky, who signed, yeah, that's right. He he worked for the Braves. Was very very close with the the late great Henry Aaron. And Paul is the biggest University of Georgia Bulldog fan. In fact, I I kiddingly sent him a text on the morning that Georgia was playing Alabama in the SEC championship game. I sent him one in the morning. I did not send him one later on in the evening, Patrick, No, uh, but I sent him a text that said, uh, Eags, just a heads up, Georgia's playing Alabama today in the SEC championship game. You may want to catch it. You know, and I got a laugh, laugh emoji. You yeah, know, he appreciated that. I, I certainly did not, as I said, send him something later in the day after the outcome. Not too many bad road trips. You know, again, if you're in baseball, you're traveling, you're going to cities, it's great. But there are maybe some disappointing ones just where you'd maybe like more time or you're flying in, flying out. Early April, two-game series against Texas. Don't really you know, get an off day to, to hang around Arlington and, and Dallas. How about this one? Late April. Detroit for three games in late April and then four in Philadelphia with no off day in between. That'll be a little bit of a, of a grind, but again, again, everything's everything, Yeah. Everything's kind of selfishly motivated. So in, in Arlington, we have always stayed where they were just hosting the meetings that unfortunately didn't result in great progress in the CBA. And that is, you know, the four seasons at, uh, Las Colinas and it's a it's really a beautiful place and and the golf course is right there so even uh, I always wish it was four days instead of two because it's really it's really nice Philadelphia I have picked the board by this but you know I have a really uh, I have a really close friend uh, somebody I grew up with and actually went to college with who who's in Philadelphia and we play a lot of golf together and um, so so I always look forward to Philly and Philly's a great city Philly's a great city. Detroit, I'll be looking, I look forward to going back here because it's been several years. And I remember going to Detroit when it just, I mean, honestly, it looked like a, it, it was just sad. So many buildings that were abandoned and I mean, high rise buildings, these 50, 60 story buildings that were empty. And I, I want to see how much it's moved, it, it's cleaned up. I know they've, they've made a lot of progress there. It's like there's two different environments. When, when back in the day when I was doing the Nuggets and you'd go and uh, the Nuggets would play the Pistons and when the Pistons were playing in, in suburban Detroit, you know, in, in Auburn Hills, in the Auburn Hills and Bloomington and, and what is it, Bloomfield Hills, there's some unbelievably beautiful and, and obviously very affluent parts of suburban Detroit. And then, you know, downtown Detroit had really struggled for a long time. So it'll be interesting to go back there. Great ballpark, great yeah. ballpark. And, and the team's on the upswing too, a little bit, you know, they made a couple signings and yeah, they've done a lot of things. And, uh, and so we'll, that'll be, that'll be interesting. Cause it's not, you're not there every year kind of thing. And also it's another river, more importantly, Patrick, that we can make silly swim across the Detroit river over to Windsor, um, Canada. And, and maybe they don't, you know, let him back. Yeah. I mean, he, he would have to get a waterproof passport perhaps just to, 
you know, get into the yeah. water at a certain point. I, they might invent those. I, we'll see. We'll throw we'll throw them on the Detroit side into the Detroit River and tell them to swim, and um, and, and he, he hopefully will have a visa. It'll, it may need to be a, more of a slow build because that's a big. Already, if he's swimming to another country, that's a lot. You, you got to slow play it out over the course of the season. So the first one is just getting in like Detroit River. Just get in the water. He's going to freeze. And then over time, all right, now you need to get in the water and then swim. And now you need to swim and get across to the other side of, of Pittsburgh. Make it a slow build. We'll start with like the pool and spring training. And um, we'll move from there. Floaties. We'll do floaties. You know, we can bring in Eric Burns to help him do some training. I think Eric Burns has done some some Ironman things. Eric, Eric Burns is psycho now. Burnsy, Burnsy does – he's done the Ironman. He's he's done a 100-mile ultramarathon as well. Yeah. Burns has got, got a lot of energy to burn. <laughs> he does still. Yeah. yeah. He's moved from Tahoe. He's going he's gonna to manage the Savannah Bananas. You see that? No, I didn't. When was yeah. when did that news come out? Like in the last ten days. Wow, interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm reading a book by uh, Jesse Cole, the the owner, creator, uh, Mister Mister Banana himself. Uh, an interesting book on you know being being a self starter and you know how he he built something uh, from nothing ultimately, yeah. and it's this brand that. You know, Savannah Bananas is, is something that I'm sure people have, have heard before, but they'd probably be shocked to know that it is not a minor league team. It is not in any way affiliated with any of MLB's 30 teams. It's not a place where, all right, hey, a guy got drafted in the second round. Let's send him to Savannah. Nope. No way in, in any shape or form. It's a summer collegiate league team, but yet he's what, got what, such great brand recognition down there. And uh, one, one of my one of my kids that I coached, um, has played the last two summers for the Savannah Bananas. Yeah, that wow, that's a great gig to yeah to to be able to play there. Whether or not you're interested in it for the baseball, I mean that league down there is really good. Coastal Plains, Coastal Plains Collegiate Baseball League. It has you know really good quality. I know Josh Fuentes played there. A few other you know former Rockies guys. There's so, so, there's so many good, good summer. We, we should do a show sometime on that. There's so many good summer collegiate leagues. Most people are familiar. With, with Cape Cod League, and that's still the the best league. I mean, the elite, elite, you know, college prospects um, often end up in the Cape. And if there's a great book on the Cape I have upstairs, uh, the next best league or the last great, the last best league. I forget the name of it, something along those lines. Uh, but there's so many good leagues. I mean, you know, they, they still play Alaskan Summer League, um, probably not as good as it used to be, but no but a good league, the Northwoods league up in Minnesota and Wisconsin area. And you'll be there in late, late June, Minnesota and in uh, late July after the all-star break. So you could take in one of those Madison Mallards games and all those interesting teams. I had a cousin actually who played in the Northwoods leagues that at at the time I didn't realize how, you know, that's, that's Cape Cod league part two, essentially, right. It's the the next tier. It's, it's pretty prestigious. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of great summer collegiate ball uh, once uh, division one baseball ends. Yeah. My son, my, actually my middle son's playing in the prospect league next year. He's in normal Illinois, which is a very good league in the Midwest as well. And that's like, you know, Illinois, Indiana, Missouri. I mean, and the towns um, in these, most of these towns and these collegiate leagues, they pour out to watch their summer 
collegiate baseball team because it's good baseball. And a lot of times they're pretty far away from a major league town and they do promotions just like the, the, you know, minor league affiliates and indie ball uh, teams do. And they, they draw nice crowds and it's, it's fun. You know, the players, it's neat for them. They sign a lot of autographs and that kind of thing. And, um, live with host families, but that's a big, big part of the game of baseball that many people don't realize takes place. There's so many good leagues around the, you know, the California uh, collegiate leagues is a good league. You know, there, as, as you mentioned, the coastal plains league, the, you know, West the, coast league, I think up, yeah, you know, they yeah, got like the, Portland the New, York, area. The New York collegiate league is, is a solid league. So there's a bunch of them, man. There's a bunch of them. I was recently talking with uh, Tracy Ringlesby about there's going to be a team in, in Larimer, the Independence League, which I think broke off from the Frontier cool. League. Something well, like that. Uh, Larimer is going to be. League, well, the Collegiate League out here, there's, you know, the Rocky Mountain. Um, Mile High Collegiate Baseball Mile, League. Right. And um, they, they've been around in different incarnations for uh, a number of years. I'd like to see it get even bigger. Yeah. Um, um, you know, Fort Collins. Fox has been around a long time. The Boulder Collegians. Uh, there, there's there's a lot of teams that have um, played summer baseball in these parts for for quite some time. Who you got on the podcast this week? Uh, by the time people are listening to this, make sure you go over, download, and subscribe to the Drew Goodman podcast. I'm waiting with bated breath here. Yeah, you know what? I'm really this. I, I taped it yesterday, so it, it'll launch tomorrow, being Thursday, uh, and. I was really captivated this week, Patrick, by, and I think most people were, by Tiger Woods seeing Tiger again, seeing how well he swung the club. Now, be it, yeah. you, know, you could see later on in the round, he was, he was, you know, favoring the left leg, or, you know, the right leg, the one that was so badly injured. Uh, but he hit some great shots. And his son, Charlie, oh my goodness. Spitting image. Spitting image, just in you know, how he carries himself, his mannerisms, but forget that he's Tiger Woods's kid. If you were on a driving range, Patrick, and you saw this little guy <laughs> swinging the golf club and you didn't know who the hell he was, you would stop and watch. I don't care who you were. You would stop and watch and you tap the, you and I are going to play. I'd tap you and go, you, you seeing this swing? Oh my gosh. Yeah. He's got the greatest swing I've ever seen. And so to watch those two interact, and for me, Tiger Woods is the um, he really he really he and Jordan are the greatest athletes in in every way that I've seen. Their competitiveness, their greatness, their talent, the magnetism that they have, um, and so I was I was all in over the weekend. Plus, a lot of the NFL games sucked. Um, but so I was, Tiger Woods is your guest this week. Tiger the- Woods is my guest. I was along with it. No, actually, um, Tiger said, I'll get you a little bit later on. Nice. I'm still I'm a little fatigued. I got a couple other things going. Um, so in his stead, Steve Sands from the, from NBC sports and the golf channel, who has a, a, a really pretty close relationship with Tiger because he's known him for 25 years and the years he's interviewed him a million times literally and and tiger um who didn't let a lot of people in he's always had uh, you know he's had an affinity for for steve and um you know they they have a very good relationship very professional 
our relationship. So we talk about golf, but we talk in large measure with, with Steve about, um, about Tiger and his career and where he is and, and, and the things that, uh, you know, he's been on the, you know, center stage, if you will, to witness. And Steve's a, Steve's a tremendous, uh, you know, broadcaster and, um, and, and he's somebody I've known for, for a long time. So I think people are really going to enjoy that. Also, we're going to do something on, um, uh, perfect Christmas gifts for 2021 for all of us uh, out here as sports fans. You got to know Steve Sands, Colorado guy, right? Graduated from CSU class. Yeah. 21. Yeah. You know, he, he's, from him. he's from DC and he has a great story, Patrick, probably like we all do you, you and I both right on how he ended up going to school uh, in Fort Collins. And yeah, cause he's like us, he's an East coast guy, family originally from, from the, you know, from the, from Brooklyn, but you know, he grew up in DC and he ended up going to school at CSU and he's uh, he's, he's made good in broadcasting, man. He's done well. Always bringing the great guests, Drew. Love it. Again, Drew Goodman podcast. It'll be out now as you're hearing this, make sure you're following on Twitter at Drew Goodman 42. We are at DNVR underscore Rockies. Thanks for tuning in for another wonderful week of shows for Drew Goodman. I'm Patrick Lyons for DNVR Sports. Thanks for tuning in to the DNVR Rockies podcast.